Yo, this is Axel Rose of Guns N' Roses. Hey, this is Carmen Electra. Hi, this is Daryl Strawberry. What up, though? This is Big Snoop Deal Double G. Hi, this is John Stallard. Hey, yo, Hulk Hogan here. What's up? This is Beyonce. I got a great show lined up for y'all. Hey, yo, yo, yo. Let's get this party started. The Sports Beat. You know what? Let's keep it hot. The Sports Beat is off the chain, man. Ah, yeah. The Sports Beat. Download the podcast now. You're listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. And a good afternoon to all you sports fans out there. Welcome once again to another episode of The Sports Beat with Richard Holridge. Wow, what a weekend. I'm excited to be here. I love doing these Monday shows because I get to recap the weekend and what a weekend it was. I just want to remind all my listeners that you are listening to us on WQEE 99.1 FM, the key out of Newton, Georgia. And we are brought to you by Ivy Park Sports Bar Grill, Go Jump and Slide Inflatables, and Backwoods Barbecue. And on the show today, I'm going to reveal my top 10 teams from West Georgia and East Alabama for high school football. The Atlanta Braves had a pretty decent series with the Houston Astros in a rematch of the 2021 World Series. And have you seen this Manti Teo documentary? Absolutely fascinating. My word, what a weekend of high school football. And I know that I'm going to get into all the games on Fridays. I do have my high school football wrap-up preview review show on Fridays from 5 to 6 at WQEE. But hey, this is episode 444 as I keep chugging along and had a great time calling the Russell County Jamboree on Friday. They have this freshman running back, Kelston Tarver. He's got a nickname, Popcorn Tarver. Well, you better get your popcorn ready because he is going to make some highlights this Friday as Russell County takes on Harris County. This game means a lot to me. With me being on the border of Harris County and Muskogee County, I'm very familiar with Harris County, and they're making that trip down to Seal, Alabama, and it's going to be exciting. Oh, the drama in high school football. This is the best time of year for high school football because we don't have college football yet, and the NFL hasn't started. still in preseason. I'm interested to see what happens. I've had a couple of polls on my Twitter page. What is the best rivalry in the Chattahoochee Valley? And I thought I would get a lot of votes for Carver and Spencer, but there's not a whole lot of people that are voting for that. It's Valley and Lynette, which is by far running away with this poll. And I'm excited because I'm going to have Lynette's head coach and athletic director, Clifford Story Jr., on the podcast this week. You don't want to miss it. And I'm also bringing back an old friend of mine, Brad Page. He was my co-host on the Up All Night show back in the day at Freed Harbin University. Going to talk to him about some college football and uh, the Tennessee Volunteers, Tennessee Titans, uh, what he thinks of that. And every Fridays, I'm going to bring my broadcast partner on for approximately 10 minutes to recap the game that we call. We are going to talk about the Jamboree. Uh, Russell County actually played a Jamboree between Southside Selma and Eufaula, and it was pretty fun. Russell County got to showcase their talented freshman running back. You think of Drew Pickett when you think of a running back that plays for Russell County, but you also got Kelston Tarver. 
and he is electric. Had two touchdowns in that game against Southside Selma. All right, so let's get into it. So I posted on my Twitter page late last night my new rankings after week one for my top 10 teams in East Alabama and my top teams in West Georgia. So here we go. Starting with East Alabama, number one, the Central Red Devils. There is not a question that Central is number one and could be the best team in the state of Alabama. They manhandled Hewitt Trustful 37-21. to It wasn't even close. Tamaria Parker with five sacks. And a new era is born in Red Devil football. Jalen Epps taking over for the starter Caleb Nix last year. Jalen Epps is just a highlight reel, a dynamic player. And Central taking on Smith Station next week. That is one of the games on my Twitter poll for, for what is the best rivalry in the Chattahoochee Valley. These two teams, they hate each other. Let me tell you why they are in such close proximity. And I believe that I was calling the Smith Station game on a Thursday night rather than a Friday night because the proximity of these two schools are so close. They can't possibly have two high school football games at the exact same time. I think that that would be really bad. So Smith Station played on Thursday night instead. So Central will play Smith Station next week. Number two, the Auburn Tigers. Auburn almost beat IMG Academy last year. Auburn played Central close in the semifinal game in the state title game last year and probably should have won. The year before, they met Thompson in the state final. Auburn's a very good football team. They went down to Montgomery in the kickoff classic, and they defeated an incredible Hoover team that was a top-five program in Alabama. And then number three, the Opelika Bulldogs. What a game and a statement win over the Callaway Cavaliers. It was a rematch from the exciting game last season. Opelika goes into Callaway Stadium. They Get the touchdown, they're down by one, and then a gutsy call by head coach Eric Speakman as Roman Gagliano converts the two-point conversion, and Opelika beats Callaway 29-28. So my top three have not changed. Now let's go to number four, Lee Scott Academy. They defeated Chambers Academy 33-0. That is a very impressive win for a team out of the AISHA. A very impressive win by Lee Scott Academy. Number five, the Lynette Panthers. I plan on having head coach Clifford Story Jr. on the podcast later this week. We're going to talk about that incredible 27-0 win over Notasalga, and they were dominant. They are a top-five program. They take on Valley this week, which is, right now, according to my Twitter poll, the best rivalry in the Chattahoochee Valley. You could throw out the record books anytime these two teams play. And I'm going to talk to Coach Story about that rivalry and what it means in the Chattahoochee Valley. Number six, the Hanley Tigers got an impressive close win over the Valley Rams, 22-20. This game could have went either way. Hanley had a very busy weekend, and uh, my friend and longtime colleague, Michael Buchanan, had the privilege of calling a game up at Hanley, and Hanley also hosted... That kickoff classic on Saturday, number seven, Russell County. I know they didn't play a game yet. They play Harris County this Friday. But they were so impressive in their jamboree, beating Eufaula 15 to nothing. This is the same Eufaula team 
that beat Russell County 41-7 last year. Number eight, Lochapoca. The Poca way. It's state championship or bust for Lochapoca. Lochapoca got an incredible victory over Lafayette. Number nine, the Eufaula Tigers. I really was impressed with Copeland Cotton in that first jamboree game against Southside Selma. Copeland Cotton, who was the starter last season for Eufaula, and they went down to 5A. They will open up the season against Stanhope Elmore, and the Eufaula Tigers look pretty impressive, even in that loss to Russell County in the Jamboree game. But Copeland Cotton is a very poised quarterback. I think Eufaula is going to have a good year. And number 10, I dropped the Glenwood Gators all the way down to number 10. They did lose to St. Ampicelli. What a game. That was the game of the week. Pacelli defeated the Glenwood Gators 28-13 in Dimel Field in Columbus, Georgia. But Glenwood is playing Brookstone, and right now that is the leading candidate for the high school game of the week on the Sports Beat. I put out a Twitter poll last week to see if you would vote on the high school game of the week, and right now by far, Glenwood against Brookstone is going to be the high school game of the week. We got about a day to vote on that poll. The other choices are Carver and Spencer, Smith Station and Central, and Russell County and Harris County. So those are the choices. And I wanted to put Valley and Lynette in there, but Twitter only gave me four options. So those are the teams that are ranked in the top 10 for East Alabama. There are some really good teams I left off this list, including Valley. Valley had an incredible game against Hanley, a very close contest that could have went either way. I think that Valley probably ranked number 11 on this list. I think Beauregard did get a victory over Selma. I think that Beauregard is one of those teams, if they start rattling off some wins, I think that I would sneak them into my top 10. You know, I'm inspired by Colin Cowherd when I'm doing this top 10. I love the herd hierarchy when he does the top 10 teams in the NFL. And I don't penalize teams just because they lost. And I don't give teams more points just because they're in 7A compared to a team in 2A. Now moving on to West Georgia. And there's a new team that's ranked number one. Number one this week is the Carver Tigers. An impressive Thursday night victory at A.J. McClung Memorial Stadium, beating the Hardaway Hawks 41-10. It seems like they haven't skipped a beat. With new head coach Pierre Coffey, the Carver Tigers are poised, now they're in 3A, to make a run back to the state title. Number two, I got the Callaway Cavaliers. They did lose to Opelika, but I'm not going to penalize the Cavaliers. I only dropped them down to number two. I still think they are an amazing team that just played a great football game against a non-region opponent that's across the state lines. You know, much respect to the Opelika Bulldogs and the Callaway Cavaliers. I think that Callaway will have a tough test this Friday as they will take on Cedartown. Number three, what can you say about the LaGrange Grangers? Jalen Brown, Magic Johnson, they got playmakers everywhere. A.J. Tucker with big runs in that game against Smith Station, a 49-20 blowout. LaGrange is a solid number three. They take on Northside at Callaway Stadium this Friday night. The Troop Tigers are number four. A dominant performance down in Hamilton, Georgia, defeating the Harris County Tigers 33 to nothing. Teo Todd is one of those dual threat quarterbacks 
that is a playmaker. And they also have a defender named Birdsong. They got some talented players. Head coach Tanner Glisson has got a great program there. They will be a little tested this Thursday night at Callaway Stadium as they will play Hardaway. Number five is Schley County. They got a very close win over Tattnall Square Academy out of Macon, but Schley County is a very solid number five. In single A, they are a team that is favored to go and win the state title. Number six, I got the St. Ampicelli Vikings. A very convincing win over Glenwood, and that was the Sports Beats High School Game of the Week, along with WRBL's High School Game of the Week as well. I put Hardaway back on the list this week. And the reason why is they never should have came off my list. Hardaway's going to have a big test against Troop County this Thursday night. But we'll see. I mean, if they fall 0-2, I mean, I really don't have a choice but to drop them out of my rankings. Then you have Chatco at number 8. Now, Chatco did not play this week. As they get ready, they are one of those top teams that should compete this year. I moved Spencer up in my rankings, a dominating 34 to nothing win on the road against Greenville. And uh, this is why you got to vote on Twitter. Spencer goes into this game in the Heritage Bowl 1-0 against Carver. That's 1-0. This is the game of the week. There's, there's no question about Carver and Spencer being the game of the week, especially since both teams are 1-0. They're no longer region opponents. This game just means a lot. But Spencer... Gary Gaither comes back at quarterback. They move down to double A. I think Spencer is going to be a very dangerous team. I noticed on the schedule they have put a lot of their home games in the back of the schedule just in time for Otis Spencer Stadium to open up. They got a lot of home games in October. I could see them rattling off a win streak. They are just a talented team, especially with a lot of athletes. Spencer is number nine. Number 10, new to the list, the Northside Patriots. I was very impressed with their win over Columbus at Kennett Stadium on Friday night that I think that the Northside Patriots deserve to be in the top 10. But they will be tested at Callaway Stadium on Friday night when they take on the LaGrange Grangers. You know, I'm excited that this matchup is happening. I was disappointed last year. LaGrange was supposed to come down to Kennett Stadium to play Northside, and that game was canceled because of COVID. I'm glad they're playing it this year. So that's it. That's my top 10 for East Alabama and West Georgia. Stay tuned for next week as I will have my top 10 after week two. This Friday, I will preview all the games for week two, and I will preview the games that's coming up this Thursday night, including at Kennett Stadium, Kendrick against Shaw. Cortez Cheney's alma mater versus Jack Patterson's alma mater. So it's going to be fun. There's no love loss between Kendrick and Shaw. They did play a rare Saturday morning game last year. Kendrick has just had a tough season. They lost their first game against Seminole County, and Shaw did win their game against Marion County, and they're looking to be 2-0 on the season. Shaw's going to have a very tough schedule as well. Always fun. High school football just brings just the fans out to the stadiums. It's just an incredible sight to see, and I can't wait. We don't have the doubleheader on Thursday night, the game at A.J. McClellan and then the game at Kennett Stadium. With the new reclassification and not everybody in Columbus plays each other anymore because you have the reclassification with Carver and Columbus going down to 3A. you got Kendrick, Jordan, and Spencer going down to 2A. 
You just don't have those matchups anymore, and so you're not going to get the doubleheader Thursday night games. But I am looking forward to that game. I'm going to try to go out to that game. I've never been to a high school football game at Kennett Stadium. Man, I, so I've really flown by on this show, uh, talked a lot about high school football. We did have NFL preseason. We did have the Braves get two out of three against the Houston Astros. I still think their bullpen is a question mark. Dylan Lee blows another game. He gives up two runs, one in the ninth. The Braves did rally and almost beat the Houston Astros. Imagine if they would have swept the Astros, how big that would have been. Uh, this is really cool to see, you know, Rex Castillo, Jack Patterson going back and forth, you know. It's always great. Of course, Jack Patterson's a Braves fan. Rex is an Astros fan. I love it. I just love the banter going back and forth. And living in Georgia and covering sports in Georgia, it's okay to root for the Braves if they're not playing your hometown team. I'm a Giants fan. I'm going to root for the Braves anytime they don't play the Giants. So I'm sure Rex does the same thing. He is an Astros fan, and I know that he was happy that the Astros got the win. But right now, the New York Mets have a four-game lead over the Atlanta Braves. The Braves will actually go on the road to take on the Pittsburgh Pirates. But the Braves have had a pretty good week. They took three out of four against the Mets, which I actually thought they were going to lose both those games that Scherzer and DeGrom started. But Max Fried and Jacob DeGrom went toe-to-toe. The Braves were able to get three out of four. And then they take two out of three against the Houston Astros. They re-upped Michael Harris. So they're going to have him for the long term. And I don't know what the Braves are going to do with Marcelo Zuna. Another problem with the law, they need to just cut him. He got booed at Truett's Park. You know, the Braves are all about signing character guys. Their outfield is pretty crowded. Cut Marcelo Zuna when you have the chance. And when Ozzy Albies comes back, put Vaughn Grissom in the DH spot or put him out in the outfield. Hey, we got a Monday night game tonight. The Atlanta Falcons taking on the New York Jets. I am excited about seeing more of Marcus Mariota getting more snaps, more series in this game, including Desmond Ritter. I think the Falcons could win another preseason game. That would be something very special. They're going to be without Drake London for a while. I think he's going to be gone for about a month. Some of the takeaways from the preseason games as we get ready for the NFL season, Kenny Pickett might be the next best rookie quarterback in this draft class as he has proven that he is going to win that starting job over Mitchell Trubisky. You got George Pickens for the Pittsburgh Steelers emerging as their number one wide receiver. And now what to do when I have my fantasy draft next week. I'm thinking about getting George Pickens because you he's not ranked on anybody's board. I'm going to try to get some of these sleepers. You know, I won my fantasy draft back in 2019. I could do it again. I just couldn't win anything in 2020 because the COVID year just really messed things up. The Dallas Cowboys, they have a star in Kevontae Turpin. I think he's going to make this team. I think that Samuel Womack is going to make the team for the 49ers as the nickel corner. I love watching these preseason games because we see these stars just come out of nowhere. And they end up making the team. And uh, good for them. Looking forward to seeing the Falcons tonight. We got one more week of preseason and then the NFL season starts week one Thursday night September the 8th you got the Buffalo Bills taking on the defending Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams the Rams are stacked they still have a great team and now I'm going to preview 
the NFC North and the AFC North. Well, start with the NFC North. I mean, right now it's the team to beat the Green Bay Packers. They still are lethal with Aaron Rodgers. Their defense is still stout. I think that if they don't have David Bakhtiardi at left tackle, I think that that could be problems. He is the best left tackle in all of football. Aaron Jones is a very underrated running back. They always talk about, well, Devontae Adams is no longer on the team. Aaron Rodgers can make weapons pretty much out of anybody. Alan Lazard is there. And now you have that rookie from North Dakota State, Watson. He's got weapons. He can make them stars. I think that the Green Bay Packers are going to be fine. I think they're going to compete for the NFC title game. I don't see them going to the Super Bowl. I see them losing to the Los Angeles Rams in the NFC Championship game. I think they get further than the divisional round when they lost to the 49ers. That was a very heartbreaking loss. Green Bay had that game won, and they needed to fire their special teams coordinator after that game. But Green Bay is still a viable team, and I'm going to say they go 12-5. and The next team that I think is going to improve a lot this year is the Minnesota Vikings. Offensive coach Kevin McConnell comes over from the Rams. Kirk Cousins, still a very good quarterback. Not very good in those big-time games, but the Vikings have weapons. When Dalvin Cook is healthy, he is a versatile back that can catch it in the backfield and run the football. You have Justin Jefferson. He had an incredible rookie season, the wide receiver that came out at LSU, and then Adam Thielen. You have weapons. They, their defense is underrated. I think that the Minnesota Vikings go 10-7 and seven and make the playoffs. One of those new teams that actually makes it to the playoffs that missed out on the playoffs last year. And then what to do with the Detroit Lions. I think that the Detroit Lions will finish third. Remember, we're watching them on hard knocks. I'm fascinated by Dan Campbell. I think that he is just a fun and electric coach. Let's bite him in the kneecaps and let's go. Jared Goff. I mean, what are they going to do about Jared Goff? Jamison Williams is hurt, but you also have Aiden Hutchinson, the hometown kid coming back in Detroit. He's looking to be one of the best defensive ends in this rookie draft class. Detroit is going to win some games because they're going to play hard for their coach, but they're not talented enough at quarterback. I think they go 7-10. and 10. They're going to improve from last season, but they go 7-10. and 10. And now the mess that's called the Chicago Bears. My word, I don't even think Roquan Smith is going to be on this team. The Chicago Bears don't even surround Justin Fields with weapons. They let Allen Robinson go. Tariq Cohen, I, mean, he, I don't even know if he's going to be there for Chicago. And you have a defensive coach. That's just a bad ingredient for Justin Fields to try to flourish in year two. It doesn't get any easier for the Chicago Bears. And I think even though Justin Fields has potential to be a great star, he doesn't have an offensive coach. He doesn't have weapons. I think that Justin Fields is going to struggle. And I think that the Chicago Bears finish 6-11. and Now moving on to the AFC North. See, when I have these shows and I'm by myself and I don't have a guest, i got to preview these divisions like quick before the NFL season starts. So now let's talk about who's going to win this division. The Cincinnati Bengals went to the Super Bowl last year. If they had an offensive line, I feel they would have beat the Rams in the Super Bowl. But you have no idea how tough this AFC is. Lamar Jackson is about to get paid. I think that the Baltimore Ravens, especially getting J.K. Dobbins back, 
the Ravens will have all those players that were injured last year, including Marcus Peters and J.K. Dobbins. I think the Ravens are going to win this division. I know, that that's crazy. The Bengals went to the Super Bowl last year. You got Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase. Their offensive line is going to improve. Their defense has got to be better, right? But I think that the Baltimore Ravens, who missed out on the playoffs last year, Lamar Jackson, he now has some viable weapons, including some talented rookies. The Ravens just figure it out. They always figure it out. And with the whole turmoil with Deshaun Watson suspended for 11 games, I don't see the Cleveland Browns going anywhere. And this division is a lot tougher The Cincinnati Bengals are going to be very close. I think they make the wild card. But the Baltimore Ravens win this division with an 11-6 record. Cincinnati finishes with an 11-6 record as well. The Ravens will get the tiebreaker. And then you have, I know I said before, the AFC West was the best division in football. This is the second best division in football. because The Pittsburgh Steelers have not had a losing season since 2003. I think that Mike Tomlin is a very underrated head coach. Their defense is great. T.J. Watt, Mika Fitzpatrick, they've got playmakers on defense. If they get the quarterback right, if Kenny Pickett is as good as advertised, he's got Najee Harris in the backfield. He's got George Pickens, Vance McDonald. I mean, you've got great players for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers continue having a winning season. They finished the year 9-8. and eight. They finished in third place. Now the Cleveland Browns. The Browns do have talent. Miles Garrett, one of the best defensive ends in all of football. Denzel Ward, a great corner. They have talent everywhere, but I think that the turmoil, the drama, who's going to start a quarterback for 11 games? Is it going to be Jacoby Brissett? Do they make a play for Jimmy Garoppolo? You're only going to get Deshaun Watson for six games this year. And in those six games, I think he's going to struggle. I think the Browns have a bad year. Uh, even though I I love Nick Chubb, I think that Nick Chubb is one of the best running backs in all of football. I think that even with Kareem Hunt wanting to trade, you know that's a very good running back tandem. And they have one of the best offensive lines in football. But it's going to be a tough year for the Cleveland Browns. And I think they finish the season 7-10. and 10. So that was my preview of the NFC North and the AFC North. I got one more division to go, the AFC East and the NFC East. So that's going to be fun. Uh, Stay tuned for next week. As we try to get ready for the football season, I'm excited that we have college football this weekend. Not many games, but we do have some local teams here in the Chattahoochee Valley that are playing some college football. Point University is taking on Cumberland University this weekend. Their first home game is going to be against Faulkner University at the Valley Ram Football Stadium, you know, where Valley High School plays football. Point University is going to play Faulkner, their home opener, on September the 3rd. We also have LaGrange College playing Middle Georgia College on September the 3rd at Callaway Stadium. I had the privilege to actually see them play Birmingham Southern in the scrimmage last Thursday. It was a weird Thursday afternoon game at 1 o'clock. It started raining toward the end, but luckily they got the game in. I'm going to have Antoine Prather on the show on Monday. He is the host of a podcast called Tailgate Talk. And I just love hearing about like how he feels about these teams up in Troop County. He covers LaGrange College football and also 
pays attention very close to Troop County, Callaway, LaGrange. It's going to be fun. I'm, I'm really excited about having him back on the show as college football week zero, as I'd like to call it, is this Saturday. Looking at the schedule, trying to figure out what do I want to watch. That Nebraska Northwestern game looks pretty intriguing. You know, Scott Frost lost like eight games last year by one possession. I know he's on the hot seat, but I think Nebraska is going to compete this year, and they're going to go to a bowl game. Scott Frost, he's a great coach. All right, it's been on my mind, so I'm going to talk about it. This is the biggest news story in Columbus as far as sports-related stories that I've had since I've done this podcast. If you want to count the pandemic shutting down sports in Columbus, you can count that. But last week, I said on my podcast how I felt about head coach Jason Gibson leaving the Columbus Lions. Well, Friday, the news broke that he just accepted the position to be the new head coach for the Jacksonville Sharks. Wow. What can I say? I did not see that coming. I'm happy for him and his family. I think that's a great opportunity. Jacksonville is a class act in the NAL, and he's going to a great situation where he has the tools and the resources to build Jacksonville to win another NAL championship. I would have loved to have seen him stay in Columbus and accomplish that feat. I think that the Columbus Lions will be fine because they are a well-run organization with a lot of tradition and history in the NAL, one of the founding members in the NAL, and they will miss him. I mean, I'm going to miss Coach Gibson. I mean, he gave me my shot in broadcasting. And that rivalry between Columbus and Jacksonville just got a little bit more interesting. The big question is, who does the Columbus Lions hire as their new head coach? We'll find that out pretty soon. I think that the Nighthawk, Damon Daniel, is a candidate to replace Coach Gibson. I think Sia Burley, he just was let go from Jacksonville. He could come over and be the new head coach. I have a suggestion. I'm wondering if if anybody's thought about this guy because I think he would make a great head coach. DJ Jones. And I don't know if he'd be interested in being the head coach of the Columbus Lions. He has ties with the Columbus Lions, a very well-known football icon in this community. He played at Carver. He won a national championship with Georgia in 1980, three SEC titles, played in the NFL, played in the Super Bowl, He's been an icon in broadcasting in this city for decades. He goes around to all the high schools and just talks to the high school players. They know who he is, and he loves football. I think he'd make an amazing head coach, especially for the Columbus Lions, since he has the ties to the city of Columbus. This has been a pretty hard month for the city of Columbus. We lose Zach DeBozart, and now we're losing Coach Gibson. I mean, I am shocked. Coach Gibson was my biggest supporter. I mean, we had a great working relationship. We did a coach's show every week. And so it's just going to be different. But I will see. I mean, I'm interested. I I actually did receive the word last week that I will be returning to the Columbus Rapids for a second season on the call as the play-by-play announcer for both the men's team and the women's team. For both the men's team and the women's team. And I'm excited about that. I'm looking forward to a great Second year in the National Indoor Soccer League, especially with the two new expansion teams, the Tampa Bay Strikers and the Central Florida Crusaders. This has really been a fun show. We've been flying by, but I got to talk about Manti Teo. Have you seen the Manti Teo documentary? I have. I think it's fascinating. So if you don't know who Manti Teo is, I mean, it's been a while. It was the most shocking, one of the most shocking sports stories I ever saw. 
He had a fake girlfriend hoax. And look, it's not all Manti Teo's fault. I think that this guy who pretended to be a girl and catfished Manti Teo completely ruined his NFL career. He fell in the draft because his leadership was in question. He was a middle linebacker. He was a sought-out recruit out of Hawaii, went to Notre Dame. He was a Heisman finalist. And then all of a sudden, his head wasn't in the game in the national championship. And unconventionally, he was missing tackles. And I know Eddie Lacy was hard to tackle, but I mean, Manti Teo was just a beast in college. He was a great middle linebacker. He didn't have that great of an NFL career. And I think this NFL girlfriend hoax might have contributed to it. First of all, I get it. I understand where Manti Teo's coming from, especially being a busy guy in college, met this girl online. I mean, this was legit because this guy actually had a girl's voice. He talked to him on the phone, found somebody that had common interests in. I mean, how many of us had online relationships back in college? You know, long distance relationships where we were talking to somebody online and we were sharing our thoughts and feelings and in Manti Teo's mind, this was his girlfriend, even though he never met her. What this guy did, Manny Alua, who basically was just ruined Manti Teo's life, decided to end it by creating this fake death. And so his girlfriend allegedly dies. And then the whole media just soaks it up that his grandmother and his girlfriend die on the same day, and he said he was going to play for him throughout the season. And all, we were just all rooting for Manti Teo because he was such a likable guy. And then the girlfriend hoax. Why do we automatically just blame Manti Teo for that? I've been there where, you know, before I met my wife, this was back in 2007, when I was talking to a girl online, and, you know, if we would have met, she would have been my girlfriend. But Manti Teo never met this girl. He got catfished. He didn't even know what catfishing was. But now you see it all the time. You know, Dateline is just famous for catfishing people. I mean, have you seen all those Dateline shows? Anyway, I think the Manti Teo documentary on Netflix is fascinating. I could not turn away from it, and I had to watch both episodes, and it was incredible. So, yeah, Manti Teo is in the news, and people are thinking about him. We all owe Manti Teo an apology, a big apology. Anyway, that's all the time I have on the show. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to the podcast. And don't forget to like and subscribe to my Facebook channel. I'm always on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Hope everybody has a great rest of your day, and I am out of here. Bye. You've been listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdry. We invite you to download and subscribe. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Google Cast, Stitcher, iTunes, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Thanks for listening. Feel free to share with your friends and family. This has been The Sports Beat, with your host, Richard Holdry. Produced in Columbus, Georgia. Extra production provided by J.D. Matthews. All opinions stated herein are those of the host and do not represent the opinions of Anchor Podcasts. Copyright 2020, all rights reserved.